Welcome to In the Gutter, a podcast that is all comics, all bangers, all the time, with story expert Lonnie Diane Rich and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. One of the hosts has read almost no superhero comics, and the other has read almost all of them. We'll let you sort out which is which. And now, In the Gutter. at the office this week uh thanks to one of these like novelty calendars that tell you things in uh you know word of the day being most the most classic this one is about like books and authors and we discovered uh-huh. that jack london of call of the wild fame once worked as an oyster pirate and then <gasps> as an oyster pirate fighter which i maintain should just be an oyster privateer but how did that not become a novel? How indeed? Because, <laughs> but that's actually the question we asked later. The first question we asked mm-hmm. us was, what the hell's an oyster pirate? Which is how we discovered that there were oyster right. wars. What? Yes. Yes. There's a Wikipedia entry. There was an East Coast and a West Coast oyster war. Oh it's fantastic. God. So basically, uh, for reasons... That I will not go deep into. Uh-huh. Uh, they tried to create oyster beds. Uh-huh. Like people, like uh, uh, oyster farmers. Right. You know, like big companies. Yeah. Went into San Francisco Bay and made oyster beds specifically to harvest the oysters uh-huh. and sell them. They were trying to corner the market on oysters. So a bunch of enterprising young lads went out <laughs> under cover of darkness, uh-huh. dove down there, stole the oysters, and just sold them themselves at the fish market well, sure. the next morning. Yeah. There was an oyster navy created. I think that was East Coast. Yeah. Just wild. And so we went, in the span of about 45 minutes, we went from not knowing this existed to being absolutely fascinated by wow. it and wondering why there's not some kind of like weird-ass steampunk YA novel about oyster wars. Um, No, there there must be. Like, there, this seems like the perfect opportunity to do a comic book starring Jack London as an oyster pirate. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Or an oyster privateer, because apparently he played both sides of the of the street. So well done, you know, right? You gotta Uh, (laughs) play the side that pays you, right? (laughs) But it was just, yeah, just incredible. I mean, I don't know. I'd like, I I need to see where this fell in his life since, uh, since London turned out real damn socialist later. So I feel like he probably was working as a uh, an oyster pirate fighter when he was like, yeah, I'll just blow where the money comes from. You know, as a younger man. But I just, yeah, anyway, it was one of those where it was just like from this, it's a what? What's an oyster pirate? Google, 45 minutes later, (laughs) like four or five people gathered around my desk discussing oyster pirates and the oyster wars. Just amazing. It is amazing the number of things that have happened that are out there that you just don't know about. You know, that like it's, nobody's heard of. It's a you know? weird, wild world, it Lonnie. Is. That's it what is. it is. And it's just crazy. Only, only getting wilder. Uh, which brings me to the discussion of this issue. <laughs> of, so, so behind the scenes, uh, I, I read this <gasps> issue trying real hard to get back to that, okay, Alice in Wonderland energy. Like, you know, there are things here that I. And, uh, and just texted. Josh and was like, I, I, I hate her. <laughs> yeah, it's a damn shame. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's a damn shame. All right. Well, let me explain why as I read the summary. <laughs> you got it. Jack, 
Roll the Lonnie's Got a Big Opinion music, please. (laughs) In Snowball Effect number four, Patsy decides she needs to drive across a sacrificial bridge of a million bunnies whose lives mean absolutely nothing to her, so she does. Because once Patsy decides she wants to do something, she just does it, and whoever she kills, she kills because, you know, whatever. So she drives to the ship and picks a fight with Yeti, despite the fact that he seems like a fairly reasonable dude who she might have just, you know, spoken to for a hot minute before tearing the place up. I mean, for fuck's sake, he's wearing yellow plaid pants. That is not villain fashion. And if anyone is going to let fashion be her guide, it's fucking Patsy. But no, why pay attention to detail or give a moment to think things through or ask a question? This is Patsy. Patsy doesn't ask. She just starts punching while screaming that everything needs to be done her way. So she slaps the Yeti around for a bit and then crashes into the side of the ship where she wakes up the sleeping princess who is not interested in being saved. Turns out the Yeti is her boyfriend, Pete. She ran away from home. She's completely safe and is not interested in going back to see her seven mothers who have worn out her patience. At this point, does Patsy take a moment to consider that the princess is fine on the ship with Pete of her own accord? And at this point, none of this is any of Patsy's fucking business? No! She decides that the princess must go home with her to her seven mothers. So she argues with the princess, who says she's not going anywhere with Patsy or her father. Yeah, the stone map is the princess's dad shit's weird roll with it. So Patsy insists that the princess go with her. The princess throws an ice spear into the back tire, seemingly ending the conversation. But a conversation with Patsy doesn't end until she ends it because solipsism, thy name is Patsy. So Patsy, being Patsy, has to Patsy the place up and knocks the princess out. Then she straps stone map dad to the axle and loads the SUV, which is crumbling at this point, and ties a rocket tree to the top and then lights it. The SUV flies in the air and crashes into the side of the glacier, and that's where we leave it because Patsy. Liam, I love her. <laughs> wow. Okay, so tell so tell me your overall response to this issue. Okay, I still love it. I don't actually <laughs> disagree with a lot of what you say yeah. about mm-hmm. Patsy in this part of the story. And maybe I'm still reckoning with what kind of toxic person I'd be if I were going to let myself be a toxic person. <laughs> and maybe I also have the enviable position of enjoying irony and knowing that there'll be a bunch of it in the next issue. And maybe it all comes down to taste. And I just like this character's approach to fairy tale batshit craziness. She doesn't go along. I think this is a big deal. Now, will this work out? That's a big question. But the fact that she doesn't just go along with the eat me, drink me bull bullshit and instead just barrels through it yeah whatever it is i'm still wildly entertained by it i still like patsy in fact in fact i like the part where she kind of doesn't put up with some of the fairy tale bullshit and then totally buys into some of the other fairy tale bullshit yeah i will say I, i will say that being entertained is not an issue here at no point fair fair at no point was i bored at no point did my mind wander at no point was I not engaged. So there is that. Um, and the thing is, is that, like, I, I think, like, in the last couple episodes, I was starting to turn around on Patsy a little bit. Um, but I definitely hated her most of all in this issue. Uh, this situation is none of her business. Yes, the mothers sent her after the princess, but the princess is 
fine. The princess is not in danger, which is the reason why she went on this whole thing in the first place. This is a private family matter. The world is not at stake. It's all nonsense that has absolutely fuck all to do with Patsy. But no, she has to Patsy the place up, and I just want to smack her through the whole thing. It's so dumb. But I have to say, though, that how much I loved Pete's yellow plaid pants... Like, for a tiny little visual detail, there is something about a Yeti in these, like, 1970s yellow plaid pants that, like, my dad would have worn. Um, totally dig it. Totally love and pee. Uh, and also his, on the his table, gentle I'd nature. Oh, I love those. I love those pants. Um, so all of that said, like, being entertained... I hadn't really thought about it that way, but like I'm trying to find the positive. I'm trying to go with the good vibes. Um, being entertained is definitely not an issue with this issue. Well, I've got that going for me at least. It's we're still in the banger territory from one perspective. <laughs> I'm not bored. I'm angry, but I'm not bored. <laughs> All right, so as always, we're going to start the B block with the art. Um, and I have to say, I love the cover. Once again, two times in a row, I was able to distinguish the cover from the title page. So I'm very proud of myself for that. Add a um, baby. That's two in a row. Go. You do it three times, that's a streak. Look at me. Unlike Patsy, I can learn a thing. Okay, so Patsy is flying downward in the frame, punching the Yeti, who is wearing, once again, these fabulous yellow plaid pants. Um, and before I was reading, like, before reading anything, like, I was like, oh, those are not bad guy pants. Like, I knew from looking at those pants that she was already fucking this up. <laughs> Um, the cover art is great. It's fun. It's active. It shows Patsy for exactly what she is. A manic pixie minus the dream girl with a twitchy dick punching arm. Well, you, can, you can hold on to that. Hold on to your dream girl business. I'm <laughs> miss me with that. Well, no, she's she's got manic pixie energy. But she's not, like, she is the, the lead character. She's not anybody's fucking dream girl in this. Just she mine, baby. Thing. That's what just, I'm just, getting at. No, just look, mine. no, look, I get that. But I'm talking about within the story. <laughs> she is not fulfilling that part of that archetype. <gasps> she's her own manic pixie dream She's girl. her own manic pixie dream girl, which, by the way, I give that a pass. Um. Yeah, I agree with all that. It's a great cover. I really love it. I think some of my favorite parts of the covers of these issues are that they show you exactly something that's going to happen in the book, and yeah. you're still like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it couldn't be more straightforward. Like, that scene is straight yes. out of the book, essentially, and you're like, yeah, what the fuck is going on, though? I like that. That makes me happy. <laughs> it's a great it's a great cover i absolutely love it i think that yes absolutely the label everything is on the label you know like you see you see what's what's gonna happen absolutely <laughs> hey this is that. the yeti punching issue neat this is the yeti punching issue um so the interior art like again as always i love the art in this like my criticisms i think are just mostly like of patsy the character um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the art itself is good and i i have some questions i'm gonna address later where i was kind of like investigating <laughs> how I feel about all of this together. Um, but the art itself is great. Um, Patsy is frustrating, and sometimes that blocks my ability to appreciate the art. So I have to go back and look through it again um, and be like, hey, you know, I didn't like the sacrificial bridge of rabbits, 
but it looks awesome. Like the drawing is awesome. The work putting that together is awesome. Um, so yeah, like I, I like all of that. And of course, we had a, we had a very brief little uh, memory panel in this, which of course are always my favorites. Those little <laughs> memories. Patsy with a cat-shaped pacifier as a baby telling the story. But her aunt loved that story about her aunt. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that when we talk about the story. But what did you think about the interior art? Uh, I mean, it's great. I double down on how good it is. Um, But one piece that I think was really, I mean, it's been there throughout, but we Mm -hmm. really get an opportunity to camp on it, is I really love Patsy's facial expressions inside her cowl. Right. Yes. Like that she, her cowl is still emoting. And does that make any sense? No, but we live in a world where Spider-Man's lenses have been emoting for decades. And I'm not about to hold Patsy to a different standard than Peter Parker. It's magic shit, of course, you know. So, and it just lets her have this like big expressive, like either I'm going to beat the living hell out of you face or the, oh, this is delightful and fun. Like all still comes across the cowl. Love it. (laughs) <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my like overarching thing. This uh, this issue that really makes the art stand out for me. Yeah, no, that is. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, all right. So getting into the story in this issue, why don't you go ahead and get us started with your thoughts, and then I will come in with my like internal work that I've been trying to do to understand my feelings <laughs> about this. Uh, so I think that this is right here where our reading of this issue diverges um, because Mm -hmm. you're going to have some, I mean, I enjoy the princess uh, on the page, but it's, but she is an entitled brat. And so is Patsy. So it's really like two young women who think they know everything and won't listen to the other one, no matter how much they should and lessons will be learned. But right now, both Patsy and the princess firmly think they know everything and will not be taking questions. Uh, So ironically, the unstoppable force of Patsy will run into an equal, but opposite (laughs) immovable object of the princess. It's just a big battle of the egos. They are both entitled brats in this issue. Absolutely. And you read Could this very differently. Could not disagree more. Could not yeah. disagree more. Uh, first of all, the princess is hurting no one. The princess just left a toxic family situation that she's whoa, not whoa, whoa. happy with. We only know that because she says it. And because I it's do not want to life. denigrate. Yes, she gets yes. to decide what her life is and the choices that she makes. Patsy was sent to rescue this princess because all this bad shit was supposed to happen. And then it turns out that the princess just ran away from home. And now the moms are doing something like, I don't know. Okay, those are mutually exclusive, though. But that sounds to me like family shit. That sounds to me like this is not what this is about. And so there's no need to rescue the princess. The princess is perfectly safe. If the mothers want to get her back, the mothers can go there and have a conversation with their kid. That is all family shit. That has nothing to do with Patsy. Uh, Also, the princess was bothering nobody. Nobody. She was just minding her own fucking business on a a marooned uh, ship in the middle of the tundra with her (laughs) Yeti boyfriend, right? Fine. All of that is fine. The princess is magical. The princess is from this place. The princess knows what her life is. And that is where she is standing. She is standing on this ground of like, I didn't like what was happening in my family of origin. So I fucking took off. And that is her goddamn business. Patsy is in there being incredible. Like the princess is just defending her space. 
Patsy went into that space, started knocking people around before asking a damn question and finding out what the situation was. So the whole thing, like, I, I find that to be the, the idea that these are the same person, completely not my reading of this at all. That these oh, are no, reflections very... of each other. Yes. No, they're very they're differently not. entitled, but they're both just, in, I mean, yeah. I mean, the princess is just an entitled brat from top to bottom. The princess is trying to have a life. She's just trying to have a life. That's all she wants. She's not asking anybody for anything. She lives on a fucking marooned pirate ship in the middle of the tundra. She is not being like, oh, go get me anything. Go do it. She's just saying, don't take me from a place where I'm happy. Right? Uh, I, I mean, she also doesn't she... actually seem that happy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but she's where she chose to be. She is like... where she chose to be. I can't argue with that. I do think that there's this really interesting deal. And I mean, I kind of mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier where Patsy buys into some of the fairy tale stuff, but not right. all of the fairy tale mm-hmm. stuff. Because from a sort of uh, genre perspective, mm-hmm. when it comes to fairy tales, if, you know, magical women of, you know, sort of questionable purview Mm-hmm. show up and task you with a quest, you do it. Yeah. You assume that the right. magical women know what they're about, and mm-hmm. that's the moms, right. right? And so that's why I was meaning that some of this, uh, some of your observations are not mutually exclusive. Like, mm-hmm. she could be absolutely actualizing her life. The princess could be doing right. the things she wants to do and living her life. And that could actually be putting... <laughs> the world or mystical universe in danger because she's not where she's supposed to be doing her responsibilities. Right. But that's not Uh, what Patsy's concerned about. Patsy does. If Patsy came in with an argument, if Patsy came in, had a discussion with Pete before fucking attacking him, found this princess and sat down and said, I totally appreciate that this is where you are, but the world is in danger and we need to like, I'll take you right back here, but I need you to come have a conversation with your mom because something's going on right now. And I just need to make sure the world is in danger before I opt out. Right. Fine. She did do that. Fine. Win. When did she do that? In this issue. They Wait, had no, a whole talking conversation. She said, conversation. you're coming back without, no, it was not a conversation. Right, right. It was, it will be my way. That's Patty's, Patsy's version of a conversation is it's going. And the thing is, is that you can tell none of this has to do with saving the world. None of this has to do with anything because what is the thing that Patsy keeps repeating? It's going to be done my way. This is going to be done my way. I'm doing things my way. It is solipsism on magical steroids. I cannot that's exactly what the princess is saying too, though. The That's why I say these she are just... wants her life to be her life. If the it's conversation is about the world is in danger, then no, I don't think. Look, I think that's a backdrop, and I'm not entirely sure we can believe the questionable women of or the magical. No, this women is of true. Like purview. nobody's reliable here. We don't know that the world is in danger. We don't know what's going on. It's just Patsy insists it's going to be her way. And I'll tell you something: it's not Patsy's life. It is the princess's life. So when the princess says, "I want my life my way," legit. When Patsy says all of this that has nothing to do with me, and I don't understand any of it to the point where I'm punching your boyfriend before I even ask a question. Right. I mean, uh, no, all of it. OK, so anyway, to be fair, hold on. Yes. He attacked her first. He attacked her first. He threw a rocket tree at them before <laughs> anything else happened. <laughs> yeah. While they were invading. While they were I just, invading. I don't see a doorbell. I don't know how they're supposed to. <laughs> you 
walk over and say, hey, like to have a conversation. I see you're They're wearing yellow clad pants. Mountain. You figure I'm it out. I'm just saying. No. He if she could figure first. out how to crash into the side of the thing. No, I think she did first. She came flying at him across a bridge of whatever. Anyway, bottom line <laughs> is ask a question. And he's trying to talk to her while she's punching him. And she's not listening to anything. So, okay. All of this aside, all of this aside, um, I feel like when you feel strongly about a story, right, it is always an opportunity to kind of like take an internal look, do a little, you know, especially yes, when something was I have been doing this thing like myself. This. Exactly, yes. right? So one of the things that I really super hate is when women come at other women, you know, like in, in an anger that is sourced in internalized misogyny. It's sourced in I have rules to live by. You're not living by those rules. And that makes me uncomfortable. Right. Um, I think that especially white women like to feel very entitled to their own sense of comfort. Um, and so, like, I like to take a look at where my discomfort is coming from. Is it because... Patsy is a woman doing this. You know, would I accept this behavior from a male superhero? I don't think that I would taking that look. Um, but, you know, it's t like it's important to like sit and try to figure out where my negative reactions are coming from. Um, and someone like a woman who asserts herself and knows her own value is something that can be very challenging to women like myself who've grown up in a culture where that is not what you are supposed to do. Um, and so... I've been trained not to do those things, not to know my value, not to assert myself, not to think that I deserve anything, you know. Um, so, like, I, when my discomfort comes from a woman who is just asserting herself, I like to take a look at that because I think that then the problem is me. Um, so I took a little time. I sat with myself and with Patsy, and I've decided, no, that Patsy's just an asshole. Um, she cares about literally nothing but herself. And she only really cares about herself a little bit. Like she will do all manner of risky nonsense. Um, and the only thing about her that is anywhere consistent is that she's always like cute, pink, carefree, punching people, you know, just without thinking about it, without looking at a situation. She, reconnaissance, thought, planning, none of these are Patsy. Patsy is just like this wild, whirling dervish of flowers and feathers and nonsense. Um, and it just like, she just irritates me on every level. She thinks That's nothing what... through. You're laying that out, that description, like it's a bug. And I'm like, no, that's my future. <laughs> no, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm understanding what it is that you like about Patsy. Um, but that it, it's a pass for all of this nonsense, I, I, I find interesting. Because I don't think that don't you would put up with shit pass. like this from a... Yeah. Um, well, but I, but you, you were you going to say from like a male superhero? Yeah, I don't know that you would put up with this shit from men. Oh, no, I, I don't think I would. I mean, I think the gender of our main character changes that viewpoint entirely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, which is not surprising. I mean, like, yes. like changing the gender of your, of your protagonist 
changes what the story right. is about entirely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and sure. the, the, the idea of like gender flipping being something that, um, you know, like, because it's not an equal world. Because gender does have an effect. It is yeah. a, a, like it's a made up construct that we that very much affects the way in which we view people, the way we think about things, the way we think about ourselves, all of that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of unpacking to be done with gender. Absolutely. Um, and so whenever anybody says, oh, if this were flipped on any vector, be it gender or race or whatever, that's always a bullshit argument um, because there there are very different experiences to be had based on being a woman, being a person of color, all that kind of stuff like you can't erase all of that and say well if this was flipped because it's never an equal you know where there are power dynamics yeah. at play there's yeah. never an equal an equal flip right however that said like the fact that it's patsy's gender that makes this and her extreme expression like she is an extreme feminine expression everything is pink Everything is is extremely, you know, feminized with what we culturally associate with femininity, right? Um, to like such an extreme. Um, so, like, I guess my question is, like, it, what is it about Patsy? Is it like the leaning in to that femininity? Is it? But the femininity doesn't bother me. Like the pink doesn't bother me. It's her incredible disregard for anybody but herself. Like that's what so, gets me with her. I, I I think I think that's I think that's the and this is also the difference with us reading the princess is that yes. you have showed up with a predilection to read this in the worst possible way for Patsy <laughs> and the best possible way for the princess. Whether whether that's like we we're working our way through these issues, I think that there no, is not a right or wrong really, yeah. there, right? Mm -hmm. But that for for one way or another, for whatever reason, that is where you were mm -hmm. primed when you arrived at this issue, and I'm uh, primed to I I guess read Patsy more positively, and I don't mm -hmm. know that I was primed to read the princess negatively so much as she just is an entitled selfish teenager. And so that's mm -hmm. how I'm reading her as a selfish, entitled teenager. Uh, yeah, but she's a teenager, Patsy's a grown-ass woman. Like, your expectations are different. Oh, they're entitled in very different ways. But, like, <laughs> it, the Venn diagram is not a circle. They're touching, but they're not, like, the same. It's not the same entitlement. Um, and I do think that you get... Okay, I said this before, that, like, Patsy's sort of like a, a blithe rush through life is mm -hmm. uh, uh, partly sort of a defense mechanism, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or or how she is living in order to uh, live her best life from her perspective. Um, and she's, right. the thing is, along the way, she's owned bits of this, right? Like saying, mm -hmm. um, uh, and it usually works out for most people, but not for mm -hmm. everybody. And sometimes it doesn't work out for me. Like, she's not an idiot. She knows. Right. I love her vulnerability um, in the last issue. But you have that here, too. Like, I think that her, you're not sure why she's ruminating about her aunt. Mm -hmm. She, our our titular entitled character, spends a page ruminating about being ungrateful right before yeah. she goes in and has an argument with an ungrateful Exactly. Kid. And that is the thing. Like, I love this moment. She's thinking about her aunt. She's remembering the thing. Did she know that I appreciated it? Did I ever say thank you? All of that kind of stuff. Really, really, really awesome. And then 
the wolf is like, would you like me to send a message to the other party? Which, by the way, having that ability and then going over and running into her like that she did throw the first shot at the Yeti because she had the ability to send he a message shot a rocket. and did not <laughs> and did not. That was after they crash landed on the ship. And he no, was running towards the message them, was from the drawn. edge of the glacier. The message was from the edge of the glacier when the wolf when the wolf was like, would you like me to send a message to the other party? And she's like, fuck no. And then she yells at him, the guy who's trying to help her and threatens to hit him. Um, and if she'd asked, I, he would have been able to communicate and say, hey, I do think I do think it's worth remembering that all of our animal companions have definitely had varying levels of helpfulness and never very high levels of helpfulness. Well, no, they start out fighting with her. Then she says, yeah. say my name. They say the name and then they help her. This wolf is number one. He's the first one who came on her side. He's like, I will help you. He has been helpful all along. And she threatens to hit him when he says, hey, how about we have a conversation first? I'm actually really curious what that would have looked like if she said okay because Pete's already in attack mode at that point he is already Pete's trying on the to talk to her when she's hitting him like no Pete is com Pete is reasonable Pete is defending his ground being attacked by a flying SUV doesn't know After what's he going shot on a rocket at them <laughs> okay he fired a rocket at them Still, First attack. a message First, could have been sent. He's the aggressor. A message could have... No, 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 no. In no universe is, is anybody but Patsy the first aggressor. But anyway, like, you know, I, yeah. He also didn't hit them. He shot it well, at them. He's a bad shot. Doesn't no, mean that he didn't maybe he hit shot them. wide just to send a warning because he cares about people. Right? Okay. Anyway. Long story short, all of that argument aside, um, she did have the option to uh, to communicate. Then there's this point later on where she's like, stupid, stupid, stupid. No, I meant me, which is correct. Right. But she learns nothing and then turns around and just does the same stupid shit over again. So when we have these moments of introspection, we have these moments of her actually taking like a look at herself, they are followed by these wild swings into just just hitting everybody, hitting everybody, knocking them out, not listening to what anybody else has to say ever. Right. Um, I don't like I don't understand it. And there's and these are the moments, these vulnerable moments with Patsy, these moments of introspection, these moments of all that. That's when I'm like, yes. I can actually get behind this character, but there's absolutely no movement in any character arc whatsoever. She just snaps right back into being an asshole. Like, so it's so yeah, there's moments we're just going to show up and read these differently. Yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, god. Yeah. Because I, I read all those, mm -hmm. a lot of that introspection as already folded in. Yeah. No, I thought about it. It's maybe not the perfect way, but it's the way that's working the best for me, and I'm going to keep doing it. And you can ask yourself, is that okay or not? Mm -hmm. um, but I do also think there's a lot, and this is a bigger, like, real-world conversation. I do think that there's a lot of space where you can be like, uh, is living my best life actually going to enhance the lives of others? 
And I think a lot of times it may or may not. Like that's the there's a Patsy question here, which is being reflected in the princess. Uh huh. Um, like I like I, I, we're following our entitled titular character into a head-on collision with another super entitled character. These are not accidents. Mm-hmm. This is on purpose. They are supposed to be both like, oh, they have a point, but also they're kind of assholes. And uh, f- f- again, for whatever reason. A variety of reasons. I do think this book leans on being part of a shared universe. Like you literally kind of have to know a lot about Patsy to even <laughs> care. To even care. Maybe. I um, mean, maybe the lack of history, but like even with that, even with what you've told me about it, like she's still, you know, and the princess, I don't see the princess and Patsy as being foils or related in any way this is the princess's actual world she knows more than patsy does she knows a ton more than patsy does um that's when patsy starts realizing she may have like taken too big a bite too is when she's like you grabbed the raven didn't you like giving her the business right no i love that when the when the kid is like you grabbed the raven right you know um and all i mean the kid like when patsy crashes into a room destroys a wall it's like i'm dragging you home the kid is like would you like a sandwich can i make you something like even like the kid is even thinking about patsy more than patsy thinks about anybody else ever um so all of this is just and then there's the weird thing where you know the princess is talking about her experience and she's like hi dad and that's the stone <laughs> map. Yeah. Which at that point I was like, okay, okay, sure. Like let's <laughs> the the mothers had a baby and then put the spirit into the stone map of the dad. I something I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. You, you'll know a little more next issue, and it is such a spectacularly dysfunctional family well, situation. I'm not at all uh, surprised. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, we'll we'll come back to it next next uh, issue. But him becoming the map was mm-hmm. essentially the mystical equivalent of I'm going to go get a pack of cigarettes and then not coming back. <laughs> All right, I think I'm going to enjoy that. I think I will enjoy that. Um, but anyway, so like one of the questions that I finally came down to um, is this question of can you enjoy a story? Like, can the story be good? When you hate the protagonist. Um, And so I I sat with that for a little while and I was like, all right, am I enjoying this read? Um, And like, my answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, okay, first of all, like, am I entered? Are you not entertained? I am entertained. I am absolutely (laughs) entertained. I like the princess. I like Pete. I like the wolf and the bear and the rabbits. I I even like the women. Like, yeah, they're fucking around. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's telling the truth between the princess and the moms or if everybody has a little bit of an angle on the truth um, and they just haven't actually spoken to each other, which, by the way, is what you need to do with people that you have relationships with. Um, I like that we're resolving like an essential conflict uh, to you know, to which Patsy is not really a part. Like Patsy is just in here fucking shit up. And all of the stuff that I like is the stuff in the world, the stuff that's going on. Um, I like the idea of this, you know, essential conflict between the women of the old world and the woman of the new world. You know, um, I really like identify with that transition. This was written, I think, 2008, 2009. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but right now, like, I feel like with I'm the age of the women and my kid, my kids are a little older than this, this princess. 
process, but you know, like it's it's a similar you know dynamic. Um, and the thing that like our kids are dealing with at this stage, you know, um, of the world being what it is, like it's nothing like what we've had to deal with in a generational gap before. Um, everything is changing. The world is, is so entirely different and changing at a faster pace than it ever has before in human history. I will. I think I will plant my flag on that statement, not being a historian, but I think I'm pretty, I feel pretty secure. Um, so that means that there's like this large gap in understanding between the generations because it is like living in different worlds. Um, and so for that aspect, like I'm really enjoying everything in this story that is not Patsy. <laughs> I think it's interesting too to read a story where our main character is the spanner in the works. Yeah. Like like uh uh she is operating with not enough information and the information she had is probably at best half true mm-hmm. and she's got her own personality foibles that are going to make her annoyed and frustrated with that and just barrel through and that's great. Like mm-hmm. I I mean I enjoy the idea of a protagonist who only kind of knows what's going on and right. doing their best with it anyway. Uh but that can lead to some unlikable you know, business when we think we know more and mm-hmm. we probably do know more, at least have like a wider perspective on this, uh, you know, this story than Patsy does mm-hmm. um, because we're not constantly being uh, threatened by magical animals that want to murder us and set us on fire. We think, why can't she be friends with them? Well, would we want to be friends with the talking animal that tried to murder us and set us all on of fire, them are helping sure. her. After they, they tried to murder her and set her on fire. Wouldn't you try to murder Patsy? If Patsy came into your house and started Patsying shit up. Murder would not be my first I'm not reaction. saying murder, but I'm saying, like, get out of my face. Like, she's, yeah. I You know, I think that it's, um, it's really interesting because I haven't really made that association before. Between like, if I hate a protagonist, because normally if I don't like a protagonist, because that's the character through whose perspective we're seeing the story. If I don't like the protagonist, and and also like, let me just take a step back here and talk about the difference between likability and and sympathy, right? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Likability is a a kind of like a foul term that has been placed on usually uh, female characters or characters that identify as female. Um, That when you require likability from a character is almost always a woman, right? Um, And then that puts this stress on that character, like that her job is to be likable, which is also something that we put on women within our culture. Um, Whereas the reality of the situation is, is that we don't need likability from a character. We need vulnerability from a character. We need that character to be sympathetic. We need to understand where that character is coming from. So there are plenty of characters that I haven't liked whose stories I've really enjoyed because Mm -hmm. They have, you know, um, because they have that vulnerability, because they have that sympathy. So before I talk about likability in a woman character, I wanted to have that conversation very briefly. For sure. Um, and the thing is, is that it is Patsy's moments of vulnerability that draw me in, that I really like. That is when I'm with her and I'm like, yes, give me that sympathy. Give me that vulnerability. But the, it doesn't mean anything. Like, it doesn't affect the way that she makes her choices. It doesn't change anything. She has a moment of vulnerability. She goes back to being the same old asshole she always was so for me that makes her very irritating as a protagonist that said i am still completely engaged enjoying this read i'm not bored 
forever, you know, like I'm always, <laughs> and even part of it is like the incredible engagement of my anger and frustration <laughs> keeps me in the story. Um, so I find that a very interesting kind of dynamic that I haven't come across a lot because usually if I can't stand the protagonist, the story is not enough to keep me engaged. You know, mm -hmm. um, here, I think that might be an exception to that general rule for me as a reader. I obviously don't have the, the likability issue, but mm -hmm. I am also probably more primed to enjoy stories with main characters that I don't necessarily like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just from my appreciation for noir fiction, since so much of that is, you know, mm -hmm. tarnished hearts of gold you know, right. at best, mm -hmm. you know, um, or I'm thinking of like, uh, uh, and this is one that's near and dear to your heart as well. Like, I still really like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but Indiana Jones is such an asshole who oh. also might be a pedo. Like it's complicated, yeah, no, right? Is, like, is, yeah, definitely. She is was and 15. Yeah. Right. And could have been worse. Could have been worse yeah. if they'd had their Could have been brothers. worse if George Lucas had had his way. Yeah, it's terrible. If you if you all want to hear more about that, I discuss it in depth in an episode of How Story Works. So just Google How Story Works, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You'll find the episode. We go into it in depth. But yes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's kind of awful, you know, in mm -hmm. that movie. But we still enjoy the movie. Yeah, I think I'm, yeah. like I say, I'm just more primed for that with a, with an appreciation of noir stuff. Right. Um, but uh, but also we're we're punching different weights as far as the likability is concerned here. But yeah, I do like the, the, I do like that we can state on the face that an unlikable protagonist does not have to kill the story. And in mm -hmm. fact, I, I don't think that's what's happening here, but could be the point. Yes. You know, like having Maybe. an unlikable protagonist mm -hmm. could be the point. I mean, if nothing else, you've got like, um, uh, this is obviously a face turn, but you've got, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Like, is just right. a terrible person, but is our but he has an arc protagonist. He has, but an that's arc. the yeah. thing. He has an arc, and when you have somebody who is so truly bad, um, you can arc them somewhere. Like, you can arc them, like in uh, Breaking Bad. Like Walter White is weak from the beginning. It is actually his weakness, which is his downfall, and he becomes less and less and less likable as you go through that show. But it's sure. an amazing show. The story is great. There's a lot of really great stuff in Breaking Bad. Um, I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> it's not yeah, something yeah, to go yeah. back. But but from a story uh, construction perspective, there's a lot of meat on that bone with with something like Breaking Bad. And so for me, like I don't mind if a character is unlikable. But their moments of vulnerability, their moments of recognition, they're looking at themselves are usually followed by some kind of effect on their behavior. And with Patsy, we don't have that. And I think that maybe because that is kind of like the character arc is my catnip for a story, mm -hmm, that maybe mm -hmm. this may be a, a source of my frustration with Patsy is that I see no arc. I see no growth. I see nothing. She has these moments of vulnerability. And then it's just like she's snapping out of a dream state and nothing changes in her. At least that I can see. Like, I haven't seen it. No, I think I think you're right. I think that her a character arc for her is not the point um, right. of this mm -hmm. story. Which is and okay. I, mm -hmm. now, yeah, now that, I, now that you say it that way, I think that, that is um, often an issue whether you see it as a feature or a bug, it's mm -hmm. an issue in like adventure stories because mm -hmm. the character is not the point, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like the character arc is not the point. The plot, it's more plot than character. Yes. If I wanted to be just broad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now that I'm saying that out loud, I think that's right for like a lot of noir protagonists also. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sam Spade starts out a shit heel and ends a shit heel. He just starts yeah. out a shit heel who's not sure why his partner's dead and ends as a shit heel who knows exactly who knows the why answer, his partner's right. dead. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, th- I would make something... Another argument like that that might feel a little more patsy would be like Phil Marlowe and a lot of Raymond mm-hmm. Chandler stuff where we do get these glimpses of vulnerability, but they're already part of who he is. So right. a change of who he is is not the point. It's mostly there to throw uh, light and shadow in different ways on sure. the plot mm-hmm. or the other people that, that he's interacting with. Right. Which now that, again, I say all of this and get to the point where I think that's patsy here also. Uh-huh. She yeah. is who she is. For better or for worse, depending on how you appreciate that or don't or fail to, you know. Um, And these glimpses of vulnerability in her are not really about her. They're about the stuff going on around her, particularly the princess. So Mm -hmm. when she recognizes that she's uh, just going to make her own decisions and do what she wants, no matter what happens, because it more or less works out. This is the princess also. When she ruminates on herself being an ungrateful child and then meets an ungrateful child. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's that's the that's the deal. And so, yeah, you're missing, in addition to maybe not having the hooks in the character that I obviously had, mm-hmm. it's also very specifically not doing things you like more in stories. <laughs> yes, that I've come to explain. Also, like, I don't engage with noir a whole lot. Um, yeah, so I'm yeah. not like adventure stuff, right? It's you know, not, which is it's not what I typically yeah. go to, right? It's not what mm-hmm, I typically mm-hmm. go to. So my, like I am, I am in stories for the arc, for the character, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And I can be in any story if there's a character leading me through that I like. Um, so I don't usually go to stories because of the story itself because of what's going to happen in the story itself. I mm-hmm, look for mm-hmm. characters that I, I'm willing to follow through whatever that story is. So you having so much background in noir adventure comics, all of this kind of stuff, it may be an easier sell. A character yeah, like yeah. Patsy is probably an easier sell for you because I can see where that's fun. Like I can see where Patsy's like wild swings and like all over the place and like I'm just gonna do it right. Um, it creates, I think, a level of unpredictability um, in a story space that can be really fun because you don't you don't know what she's gonna do. Like in a lot of stories, you have a general <laughs> idea about where this is going or what this person is gonna do, what this character is gonna do. With Patsy, you have no idea. And I can see that being um, a story value that could be really um, appealing to a lot mm-hmm, of people. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is an appeal to that into like, what's going to happen? I don't know. And am I entertained? Yes. So yes. <laughs> again, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. And this is what I love about stories too. Like I, I love that if you, if you sit with a story and you think about the story and how you react to it and what it does for you, but if you can also hold space for the people who react differently from you, mm-hmm, people who mm-hmm. love things that you hate, people who hate things that you love, um, you know, when people aren't being dicks about it, you know, like if you can yeah, sit yeah. and actually have the conversation about what it is that brings, like, I think that stories have this wonderful ability to reflect 
us at ourselves in a way that is new and different and gives you an opportunity to learn a little something, you know, Mm -hmm, if you're just willing mm -hmm. to have a conversation where you're like, oh, you hate this thing that I love or, oh, you love this thing that I hate. What's that about? You know, where people just don't need to be dicks to each other because they have differing opinions. So I think that that offers a really fun. I think that honestly, like my my greatest enjoyment of the Patsy uh, run that we're doing um, is talking about it with you. It's like getting yeah, these, yeah. getting to these things, asking these questions, kind of figuring it out. Um, there's crunch in everything if you're willing to like take it outside of the story world and sort of see why you react to that. And the fact that I react to this in a certain way doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. I mean, it absolutely yeah, yeah. clearly has value because you are, are are reaping that value as we read it. You know, um, I, I wish that I loved all the things that you love because <laughs> I really, you know, I like to I like it when we both love this stuff. You know, that's really fun. But I think that there's value in these discussions, too, and in these divergent approaches to it. I think that one of the things that we're really good at is while each of us will have an opinion about something, something we're always interested in the other person's perspective too and that's what makes talking about stories with you so fun why i love working with you joshua unruh oh well unexpected love letter to me slash us i'll take it right (laughs) okay we're entering our favorite parts uh let's start with our favorite art Mm -hmm. um mine comes very early although uh, shockingly not as early as yours we'll deal with that in a minute but that's just funny (laughs) mine is literally the title page like Mm -hmm. uh patsy yee-hawing in a car lifted up by a sea of rabbits surrounded by her (laughs) other animal familiars and she's just the door is torn off she's just seriously doing a high-o silver in this broken down ass SUV surfing a wave of rabbits. It's so batshit crazy and really emblematic of what I personally enjoy about this story because I could, anything could have happened after issue one, but that image was not on my menu of likely possibilities. And again, the unpredictability of Patsy can be one of the primary values of reading these stories. Absolutely. Um, for However, me, your yeah. favorite part comes even earlier than I the title page. Please the tell page. me. Yes, the cover page where Patsy is fighting Pete. Like as you know, I open this up. It's the first thing I see as we're moving into this, you know, next issue, right? Um, and I just came from these issues where I was really developing like an appreciation for Patsy. And at this point, I did not know who Pete was. You know that that this was much more complicated, and she was kind of being an asshole. But um, here she is. We've got this beautiful kineticism, right? She mm-hmm. is. Is yeah. a projectile force, and you see his body is wrapping around her movement, right? Yeah, he yeah. is he is absorbing, he is taking that punch, and it is coming at a cost, right? So you have all of this, and here is this, you know, Yeti, which is a monstrous kind of figure. He's easily eight times her size. She is moving <laughs> like she is a projectile force. And then I see the yellow plaid pants. Right. And just the (laughs) visual of a Yeti who gets up in the morning and goes, well, these are my pants, you know, Um, and puts them like all of that. I think that like in one visual, it basically encompasses everything that Patsy is, you know, and how Mm -hmm. the world warps around her kineticism, you know. Ooh, see, that's why I love her. 
well, okay. I love the art. I love the way the art expresses her. Um, and I just thought that, like the cover page in this one had so much in it. Like it just is, if you're going to take one page and be like, this is Patsy. Like that, I feel like is it, right? You know, and so I had such an incredible appreciation of that expression of her as much as I don't like her. Um, I loved that presentation of her. Uh, Yes, very good. That actually, whether you think it's a feature or a bug for her, uh, (laughs) that actually leads into my favorite story part in a way. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Because she kind of does that intellectually, I feel. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, absolutely. And this is typified for me with your father. Well, that's just typical. Listen, (laughs) it is not typical. And yet I understand Patsy's viewpoint, right? Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate this like totally nonplussed reaction shifting into instant acceptance. Like, yeah, shit's weird, but it is what it is. I got to deal with it. Like that, that feels like an admirable trait. That feels like optimistic heroism. And I'd like to describe that as a non-toxic Patsy personality trait I would emulate. Like, this is all fucked, but it is what it is. So let's deal with it. Let's just keep going. (laughs) Well, that's just typical. It's just... (laughs) Well, I mean, she has a talking stone map in the car. Like, I <laughs> right. think that she 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 crashed into a Yeti a pirate ship uh, marooned in an ice oh, yeah. glacier. Like, like Patsy, like the 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 world that Patsy lives in is just like, yeah, this is absolutely on brand for everything that she goes. And so, yes. like, you know, yeah, she learns a thing, and she's like, all right, let's roll. Like, yeah, I can I can appreciate that. I can see that. I can definitely see that. <laughs> And also gets a little petty along the way when she's like, well, you're our new wheel. That's just your life, Stone Map. I've never liked you and I don't like you anymore now. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. This is is a favorite. Well, that's just typical about a situation that is anything but love it. Love it very much. I feel like I'm interested to see once I'm done with this snowball effect arc. If a reread with all the understanding of everything that this is going to be might change my feelings about it a little bit. I don't know. I'm interested in seeing. I'm not that optimistic. I kind of don't think so. But I'm interested in seeing (laughs) if the if the final because I've had I've had stories where until the final like, you know, turn of the story, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I love it once I get to the final turn. That has happened before. That has been my experience. But for this issue, my favorite story beat is when she busts in and the princess is fine. The princess is exactly where the princess wants to be. She does not need to be rescued. She's not in any danger. Um, And I like the princess. I like the princess being like, hey, can I make you a sandwich while I tell you the story? I like the princess. The princess only fights back when Patsy is basically the one doing the kidnapping. This princess has not been kidnapped. Patsy is kidnapping the princess. Patsy is the force of evil in all of this. Um, But I I like the princess. I love her hair. I love the little pink shock of hair she's got going on. Um, She's very cool. And, and I like her a lot. And so I just enjoyed, I enjoyed the princess. I I share an enjoyment of the princess, (laughs) but like, because I apparently like really entitled 
egocentric ladies. That's what I, I'm learning about Patsy. I do the, not. I, yeah, pa- Patsy, absolutely. I do not see the princess as, as necessarily being that. This is her world. She's decided how she wants to live her life. I think that's legit. All right. So next week, we are going to be back with special guest uh, Jean-David Michel, co-owner of Megabrain Comics in Rhinebeck, New York, which is right where I grew up. So it's very exciting to meet him. Um, he is going to be with us to talk about the final issue of the Snowball Effect arc. I will be arguing Patsy shit with two comic book experts next week. And you may have somebody on your side. I don't know what his response has been to the Patsy stuff. So we'll have to see. Yeah, it's going to be a question because like this amount of patsy appreciation is a deep cut even amongst my people so there's no guarantees which way this could go i'm very excited to hear what jean david michelle uh, has to say about uh, patsy so we are going to be talking about hellcat snowball effect issue number five the final issue of this arc in which patsy gets everybody home there's levels of family drama only mystical nonsense can create and then everything ends happily ever after Until then, I've got a good feeling we'll be home by nightfall, and it's Beans on Toast and Happy Cowboy songs played on tiny guitars for everyone. Thanks for listening to In the Gutter with Joshua Unruh and Lonnie Diane Rich. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider talking about it with your friends, leaving a review somewhere, or supporting Chipperish Media, patreon.com slash chipperish. 